Welcome to Screensavers. I'm Matt Sturdivant. And I'm Tyler Sutkus. And together we host the Silver Screensavers podcast. Um, a quick update. Michael is not here today as he's decided to take a step away from the show. Nothing but respect for that. Uh, we hope to see him back soon. But we want to give him as much space as he needs. But we're rolling on. And he was we're, he was nice enough to finish up the outline for our episode that we have today for John Wick Chapter 4. So we're going to dive right into that. You're stuck with us. <laughs> you're, you're stuck with us indeed. Um, in all honesty, though, like we're, we're still kind of trying to figure out what direction the show is going while Michael is gone. Uh, we haven't really fully talked it out yet, but folks, you will be the first to know as soon as we do. Without further ado, though, let's get into John Wick Chapter 4. So... In, in this movie, John Wick continues his war with the high table while Marquis Vincent de Gramont orders John dead and people try to kill him. It was directed by Chad Stahelski, who helmed the other three John Wick movies, written by Shay Hatton and Michael Finch. Uh, and I suppose we should just get right into general thoughts. Tyler, what did you think of John Wick Chapter 4? So I came out of this movie and I was very positive. And, like, thinking about it since, I've just grown on to love it. I, I really like this movie a lot. It was just, like, three hours of just gorgeous, awesome action scenes. Just, it, it toned down the kind of world building that the third one got a little out of control with. It felt a little MacGuffin-y, like, they had to go to the here to get this, to go to this, to get this. And I, it just got all too tangled. This one doesn't shy away from the world and the crazy lore of John Wick. But it reigns it in a bit. It makes it a little more palatable. And I think did really well. Um, the action is incredible. This movie goes from like samurai duels to like high noon quick draws in the same movie. So it was all over the place. But I, I loved it. It, it, it drew, grew a little long at times. But to be honest, it did not feel like an th almost three hour movie to me at all. No, um, I would agree with that. Yeah. I, I think everyone was spectacular. I think I saw a thing that Keanu Reeves only said like 380 words in this. And that shocked me because like the fact that the main character has such little like lines, but the movie keeps a steady pace for three hours. That's impressive. So I give everyone in this movie props. Um, a little uh, kind of spoilery, but I was a little disappointed for Lance Reddick's last one of his last roles. Um, I don't blame the filmmakers because obviously they didn't foresee the tragedy coming, but it was kind of a sad send off for him, for his character. Um, sorry, that's kind of spoilery. <laughs> no, it's it's fine. We'll we'll let it pass. We'll give it a pass for Lance Reddick. But I did have a note about that. Um, so between hit, between this and Ray Liotta and Cocaine Bear what was the less ceremonious final scene with all due respect to the deceased i didn't see cocaine bear so that's a bad question for me <laughs> oh yeah you're right <laughs> I forgot you didn't see cocaine bear <laughs> i'm going to i'm going to say both of them i don't know they're tied uh i'll have to <laughs> 
coming from someone who did see both, I would I would probably say Ray Liotta. But um, this was a significantly better movie than Cocaine Bear. Uh, but judging by your excitement, would you call this the Top Gun Maverick of 2023 so far? So far, yes. It's it's definitely up there. Um, I, I, I'm loving it. It was a fun time at the movies. Just, I, I mean, this movie is bonkers, but it, it it has fun. It doesn't take itself too seriously, and I just absolutely loved it. I, I want more movies like this. Yeah, I'm, I want, I'm pretty much going to echo all the stuff you said. The fight choreography was fantastic. I, I thought it really kept my attention for the entire runtime. It really did not feel like a three-hour movie. And I, I really dug the majority of the cast. Speaking of the cast, let's run down the list and see who we've got. So, a man who needs no introduction, Keanu Reeves is John Wick. Um, Mike put down that John is such a paper thin character. I I can't really no. disagree. No, that's not true at all. <laughs> I I don't know. I I can't say I fully agree, but I could see where that line could be drawn. Um, and then we have Donnie Yen is Kane, the blind sort of adversary to John Wick who is also the second badass blind person that Donnie Yen has played in the last decade in a, in a notable franchise. Tell me what the first one was, Tyler. Say that one more time. The second blind badass oh, uh, in Star a notable Wars. franchise. Yeah, yeah, Star Wars. Okay, yes. It... it... You know, I I looked it up because I'm like, is he is he like actually gone blind? Why do they keep casting him as blind characters? <laughs> <laughs> is he being typecast as a blind guy? I don't really understand. Um, but it's I like st- they they write a character for him, and they're like, he's really good at martial arts, and they're like, oh, okay, that's a cool character concept. And they're like, and he's blind, and like, okay, <laughs> all I- right. <laughs> I, I love that trade on him though because it clearly was not a hindrance at all to his skill, and and it really got it really gave Donnie Yen a platform to just show off just how great of a martial arts actor he is. And then we have Bill Skarsgård as Marquis de Gramont. Um, haven't seen him since was it last year with Barbarian? Has he been I in anything so. really notable since? I thought he was pretty good. He uh, he kind of played a good, like, sort of arrogant boss other people around but stand in the background, but still seemed... He seemed pretty menacing. He seemed like he could have... So just a, he was just a Frenchman. <laughs> <laughs> hey, watch your tone there. <laughs> we don't, we don't want to turn off any of our French listeners here. Um, Lawrence Fishburne is back as the Bowery King. Didn't get a lot to do, I don't think. I mean, he was there for basically tailoring his suits. <laughs> I don't even think he was tailoring him. He was just happened to bring him. He was just the suit <laughs> delivery man. He's like, hey, just so you know, I came all the way from across like seven countries just to bring you the suit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
but I feel like this movie would have been missing something without him, so that's fine. Um, Ian McShane is back as Winston, and of course Lance Reddick is Sharon, or Sharon. How do they how do they pronounce it in the movie? Sharon. Sharon. Um, of course, Ian McShane, solid as ever. Lance Reddick in that devastating and untimely loss. In that regard, uh, we got Hiroyuki Sonata as Koji, who is one of John Wick's only friends left in this movie. Am I correct? Am I remembering correctly? Pretty much. Yes, Besides... he is one of his old friends. Everyone in this care, everyone in this movie, bar one person, is just an old friend of John Wick. Oh yeah, true. <laughs> um, and then. Rina Sawayama is Akira, who is Koji's daughter. I think is that mm-hmm. is yeah. I it wasn't abundantly clear right away until later on in the film for me. And then Shamir Anderson is Mister Nobody, who I thought was an interesting addition because he I, just kind of came out of nowhere. I don't agree with Mike's note here that he could have been taken out. I, I, I thought he was a fun, uh, cool addition, too. I, I enjoyed the character because the character was basically a John Wick expert purely because he just happened to pay attention to things that happened in the John Wick world. If a- anyone else could have had this information, but, like, no one bothered to pay attention to what was going on, like, this guy literally just knew because, like, he just was like, oh, this happened, let me write it down. <laughs> and was able to track all his movements. He he watched the first three John Wick films. <laughs> yeah, he's like sitting in the audience like, ah, okay, all right, come in. <laughs> um, of course, the fight choreography was awesome as ever. I uh, Mike put down here that the assassins weren't cardboard cutouts, and that was definitely something I was thinking too. Like, um, I'm going to make a comparison because this is mostly what I've been doing in my spare time this week. Um, it reminds me of the Resident Evil 4 remake, the enemies in that game. Yeah. Um, they're not pushovers. They, it actually, you know, you, it takes a number just to get through even yeah. just like the, the base level enemies. And yes. I think it's Phenomenal really, game. I, I, I think it really, it, it's really cool when, when they do that in media, when it, you know, especially in a film landscape where you have your big blockbuster movies where there's all these faceless CGI yeah, enemies for sure. that, is, that these superheroes or even just like non-superhero protagonists are just mowing through for no reason. It kind of, it feels kind of light and weightless to and, the action, uh, if yeah. that makes sense. And no, I did want to mention that as well because... I think what's cool here, and, like, in the first one, the first one's one of my favorites, as, like, few people think that, but I just love the shootouts in the first one. Um, But in the first one, it was all based on the fact that he just was shooting and the other guys were missing. This one was, like, everything was a challenge. Like, I mean, the Kevlar suits, which were a bit goofy, I'll agree. Like, they, they looked, especially when he was, like, raising it up and using it as cover, it got a little over the top with those. But, like, it wasn't like he was just dodging everything. Like, he was getting he was getting beat up, he was getting his ass kicked, and he was still, like, struggling against, like, even, like, small guys. Like, how many times did he have to shoot the guys in the Osaka, like, yeah. Continental shootout? Like, just, like, the same guys he's shooting, like, ten times each. Like, so, like, every fight just felt 
Like, it was a struggle, and it wasn't like a, oh, this super cool guy won't get hurt because he's, in, like, he can do whatever. So yeah. I thought that was a cool change for a movie that's, like, about a badass who can kill anyone kind of thing. I, I agree. Um, and I, But I do have a comment about his in, invincibility in this movie, but we won't get into yes. that until spoilers. <laughs> but I just want to say props to Keanu here. Because this is a franchise that started, I mean, in the first movie, it was like he was the boogeyman. Like, so it was all focused on how badass John Wick was and like all that. But all the other characters got a chance to shine in this movie. And some of them just ate it up. Like, Kane specifically stood out to me. Donnie Yen was phenomenal every time he was on screen. Um, Hiroyuki Sonata. Every time he was on, I, I love him. First of all, he's the best thing in most movies. Bullet Train was not a movie I liked that much, but he was phenomenal in that. He is such a good actor, and I'm so glad he's kind of breaking out more into American roles. He's getting his own show coming up on FX that he's going to be the lead. I cannot wait for that. Props to him. Um, Rina Sawayama as, and I'm probably butchering that, I'm sorry, as Akira, she had a chance to kind of just show... Her fight choreography, I can't imagine how much planning that took and what the choreography took. But there's so many characters just kind of... Shamir Anderson as Mr. Nobody, just kind of lurking in the background at points, but he still has such a presence when he's on screen. He's such a fun character to watch, especially kind of interacting with John Wick and the rest of the world. So everyone just kind of got a chance to shine, and I'm glad Kiana kind of took a back seat. And it's impressive that four movies into a franchise that's literally named after his own character... He's willing to do that. So I give props to him for that. Well, what would you say to this next note that reiterates that the movie revealed John is a thin character per, per Michael's note here? <laughs> yeah, fair. Everyone is an old friend. Everyone aside from Mr. Nobody is known John and the like best friends. <laughs> yes, that is the lore, but that's fine. Doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I gotta agree. Alright, so I think it's about a, as good a time as any to get into spoilers, so if you've not seen John Wick Chapter 4 yet, or you're worried about the narrative or getting anything spoiled for you, this is your warning. Spoilers starting now. So let's break into the beginning in Osaka, at the Continental in Osaka, in the subsequent fight. What did you think of that? I thought that was incredible. Like gorgeously shot. Um, the like neon lights kind of in the background. Cause they shut all the lights off. To, and like, it was so cool kind of seeing this, uh, mix of old school, like Japanese style fighting with like swords, and, um, bows and stuff going against firearms. And it worked really well, even though that sounds like such a goofy premise, but they did it well. Like, it looked so cool. And it was so much fun to follow along. I I agree. I thought it was exhilarating. Uh, I, I really had to suppress my um my skepticism, which I guess you got to do that for all of these movies. Yeah. But, like, like you were saying before with the Kevlar vests looking kind of goofy, it's like, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure Kevlar isn't bulletproof. No, it's just bullet resistant. But. This 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 scene especially does show like so they're they're shrugging off bullets. They're not even reacting to bullets hitting their suit. Which first of all, if you're wearing a, like a level three thick Kevlar plate, 
a, a plate carrier vest, you'll feel your ribs like breaking from like a, a, a handgun bullet. Like, I mean, that'll still do damage even without a bullet going into you. They're like, they're not even reacting. It's just bouncing off them. Their helmets are taking bullets, like the heavily armored soldiers that the high table brings. Yeah. They're shooting them like 10 times in the face. And then, and then yet John Wick brings out a pair of nunchucks and it's just devastatingly powerful. These people who are like, can take bullets and it does nothing to them. But that's what makes movie magic, you know? <laughs> it's very it... inconsistent on what causes damage to these people. Honestly. Uh, yeah, but, you know, it was, like I said, it was still exciting. It was exhilarating. Um, it was it was unfortunate to see Koji go out so soon in the movie. But, um, you know, I think that really, I think... It, his daughter is an exciting character and i think that i hope to see more of her character in future films yeah um and then next john needs to make a deal with the ruska roma the family in what is it it wasn't russia it was uh, they're in berlin but berlin. they're Bel- uh belarusian belarusian yes um the I am Klaus guy. Did that take you out of the movie for a minute, or did was that just like a nice little? That, that was a little goofy, but you know what? <laughs> There's so much goofy in this movie that I'm fine with it. It was a little odd. I don't know why we all every movie needs to have someone that just talks and saying the same sentence. Is I think like Groot started this. It was either Groot or Hodor from <laughs> Game of Thrones. <laughs> One of them started this. And it just, we, we need to have this character now in every franchise that just says the same thing over and over. <laughs> um, which, so anyway, John needs to make a deal with them, but in order to do that, he has to go and take out a, a man named Killa. Is that, is that really his name? I never got his I name. I don't remember movie. him, them saying his name was Killa. I, <laughs> that's true. I thought they gave him a, her, a human name. <laughs> No, they're using the pretend names. But uh um, you gotta go find his killer, Killa. <laughs> so he ends up at this really tense sort of poker table with, you know, it's John Wick, it's Kane, it's Mister Nobody versus this this uh, large Russian man, played by Scott Adkins and more prosthetics than Colin Farrell had on him <laughs> as the Penguin. I- but not quite as much as Brandon Fraser and the whale. It was not, sort of, it's sort of in the middle. It's an in between. I thought that scene was pretty tense. It, I, 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 I thought so too. I didn't quite know when it was going to happen, and then you know when it when it went out, it really went out. It like went for it. Um, the people dancing in the club was really weird, though. Very, like, they're, they're like, okay, we don't care that there's a brawl going on. We're just here to dance and let, <laughs> let loose on the night. And then it's like, there were a couple, like, pockets of people that were like, oh my god, something's happening, and they started running. <laughs> but then... Yeah, it was very inconsistent. Because he was shooting people in the crowd. Like, yeah. he was shooting people. You're right, he's, like, shooting in the crowd and the people just aren't even reacting some They're people just... are like running others are like nah i'm just here to let like let my stress out i'm not gonna let bullets stop me <laughs> uh that was the rhythm of the music is more powerful than these gunshots <laughs> uh 
Uh, but anyway, he gets through it. He kills the guy and gets the MacGuffin and and gets his arms branded so he can be at the high table so that he can challenge the Marquis, I think. I'm, I'm still trying to... Yes, he's challenging the Marquis de Grimaud. Yeah. Um, so then they have this pretty cool... Um, the pretty cool ceremony where they're picking out the rules. Each person gets to draw a card. Highest card gets to pick a rule. Pretty interesting. It wasn't the most exciting sequence, I don't think. It was. It was very exciting. I was enthused. I'm like, oh, hell yeah. Flip that card over. Flip that card. <laughs> but I, Hell I mean, yeah, it, Mr. It was, Krabs. You let it, them pick the rule. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's not forget Clancy Brown in this. <laughs> the oddest draw. Like, he's got nothing to do other than to show up and just be like... What you did was bad, and you shouldn't do it. And he's like, okay, now we're doing a duel. Uh, so they end up, you know, signing up for the duel. You know, John Wick and Winston's lives are on the line with this. Um, versus, I, for, I forget, what did, the, what did the Marquis want out of the whole thing besides just John Wick dead? Was uh, that he just wanted the... Ian McShane dead. And then he was, he just wanted to be the guy that killed John Wick because he was going to rise to like fame with that. Uh, so Grimaud nom- nominates Kane in his place for the duel. I'm like, okay, well, that's sad because I know he's got the ba- the uh, leverage over Kane, so Kane doesn't have a choice. But I know Kane at this point doesn't want to fight John Wick anymore. Um, and then, of course, the. Uh, the fight through Paris with the cars and the overhead with the blaster oh gun. That, that, so, this is probably one of my favorite action scenes I've ever seen. It's just an overhead shot where he gets a shotgun oh, yeah. filled with dragon's breath rounds. And apparently every bad assassin is just doused in gasoline because they go up like... Like one of those fire safety videos where they're like, don't put a candle near your Christmas tree or else it explode. They like, they literally just light on fire. <laughs> it's a little over the top, but it was incredible. Like I love that scene. Yeah, I agree. That was one of the most unique action shots I think I've ever seen in, in a movie. And I thought it, it was gripping. I thought it was just looked so cool. It was awesome. And I just, going back a bit, the streets of Paris scene where they're at the Arc de Triomphe and cars are just zooming by and hitting people. First of all, the world of John Wick, people who aren't assassins, I don't really know what's going on with them. Because there, there is a shootout with hundreds of people in the middle of this and they're just driving through it. Like, they just gotta get to work. It's like 8 <laughs> o'clock at night. It's in the morning because he's trying to get to... It's like two a.m. Why are they driving like that? Uh, they're the they're the people from the club that just have to get home. <laughs> they're like, yeah, my clubbing's over. Oh, he's out here again. They're shooting up the streets now. I'm just going through it. <laughs> but it was like a hilarious, incredible scene. I I mean, like, there's literally a scene where a guy gets hit by a car, flips into the air, and John Wick is just dumping rounds into him as he's falling. <laughs> Yeah, they, they, the the last two movies in this series, uh, t- chapter two and chapter three, became a Terran Terran tactical advertisement. I hate Terran tactical as a gun owner. I hate Terran tactical. He's such a weird dude. His gun bunny videos are bizarre, and I'm I, I 
that's the one thing I don't like about these tra- these movies is that they're basically advertisements for him, his company. But anyway, they do this one scene in this where they get get the pistol and it's like this is a pit viper. It reduces muzzle flip apparently to zero. Because there's scenes where he's driving the car and just firing it. The gun's not even moving. And I'm like, I don't think that's how much it reduces the muscle flip. To the point where the gun doesn't recoil at whatsoever. <laughs> I I mean, there there are plenty of glaring inconsistencies with the gun mechanics of this film. Like, how many how many rounds do you think some of these pistols held? In, in the scene where he's driving in the car, I think he fired like 75 rounds before he finally reloaded. Which is funny because this movie makes such a scene of him reloading. Like he's grabbing them, throwing the mags and popping them in. He, I, I, I'm curious though, did he fire more shots with his with guns in this movie than he did throw guns at people? <laughs> it's tough. I'd have to go back and watch and do a solid tally, but... There's literally point. a scene where he like goes through three guns and just throws them. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, when you're surrounded by assassins, you can just pick another one up later. It's fine. All the assassins also just use like the same Glock too. Like they all have the same model. <laughs> well, yeah, because that makes it easier again, so you can just go and pick up another one later. Yeah, like good thing this one has the same thing. Is the same thing. So going from two of probably the best scenes in the movie. We go to a scene that took me out of it a little bit. I don't know about you. And that's the stairs going up to the church. Yes. So, <laughs> I just, just just going back real quick. I wanted to mention something with the other scene. Oh, go do for cops, it. Do cops exist in this universe? I don't think so. In John Wick 1, there is a cop who shows up at John Wick's door sees the dead bodies in John Wick's house. He goes, oh, you're working again, John? Is that the only cop that exists in this world? (laughs) Yeah, I'm thinking I'm back. (laughs) Because, like, there is literally a shootout in the middle of the road with cars everywhere. Not one cop comes. Not one. Also, these people don't stop and, like, oh, my God, this is crazy. They're just, like, these people are just used to assassin fights breaking out in the middle of the world. There is a scene. Oh, real, sorry, real quick. I was gonna in say it's the it's the Morbius cops since they're all bad <laughs> the people. They, then they don't they don't matter. Don't, yeah, they don't matter. These are bad people dying. We don't need to worry about it. <laughs> there is a scene in John Wick Two, which I think is still the most ridiculous scene in all these movies, which has some pretty over the top scenes, where Common is facing off against John Wick. I can't remember his name, his character's name. They're walking through Grand Central Station. Common is on a raised, like, floor, like, with a, with a overlook, and John is on the ground floor, and they are walking through Central, or Grand Central Station, I meant to say, full of people, and they're just walking and firing guns at each other, like, silenced pistols, and I'm like, no one is here, no one realizes what's going on, like, these two people are just calmly walking, they're walking at, like, a walking pace, exchanging shots from, like, their hip at each other, bullets are bouncing off walls, and no one is reacting. So every, anyone who's not an assassin in this world is just the most brain dead person. Apparently, I just that that part of the lore really doesn't. I don't really understand. 
but then again, are you you if you're going to see a John Wick movie, you gotta you gotta check that stuff. At the I, door. Absolutely. I mean, if you're expecting other any like real world things to apply, fair enough. But it's fun to just kind of look at this and be no, like, I know. That, <laughs> what I, I, what are the other people that aren't assassins doing in this? <laughs> imagine imagine going to paris you're just some random guy who took a trip to paris and you're listening to this radio station and you're like what is going on <laughs> oh we're right the radio station <laughs> they're like our boy johnny wiki is seen at the arc de triumph now you better go kill him and someone's like ah these are some weird stations <laughs> they're speaking english on this french radio station What's up with that? Uh, yeah, I, I was—I know that you know. I know that we're on the same wavelength as these movies, but I'm saying for our listeners that yes. have never seen a John Wick movie, there's a lot of stuff that you got to kind of. If check you at have the never door. seen a John Wick and you start at the fourth one, please tell me how that goes. <laughs> Let us know <laughs> what your viewpoint of this franchise is. If you start at the fourth, one. I mean it is. I I don't know. I don't think I saw the third one. Uh, that's fine. It. like um i would say this is one of the better ones of the ones i've seen which would be one two in this one yeah i i it's been a while since i saw the first one i can't 100 percent say if this if i like this one better or not but i, I, like, I like this like one better going. but i like the shootouts more in one if that makes sense for a movie yeah. that's mostly shootouts. so anyway now we do have to get to the scene that Yes, I, the big, the most out of place scene, in, in, I, I was laughing my ass off. I, oh my I god! Would, I, I wouldn't stop. Laughing. I wouldn't take it out of the movie. No, but I, I just thought it was just the, the goofiest thing. So, he gets to the stairs to the church. He's got to get up these stairs in like twelve minutes. He's fighting off assassins, going halfway up. And he gets like all the way, like just about to the top, and second in command henchman guy shows up, right, and then kicks him and knocks him all the way back down the stairs. And we're talking like a dozen <laughs> flights of stairs. <laughs> He's just rolling. Twice. He does it twice. <laughs> he just keeps going. Like it's it seems like a parody bit. When he just keeps rolling down these stairs. He's rolling down the stairs for solid, probably close to two minutes, it felt like. It's gotta be close. He just kept, he kept going down the stairs. It was ridiculous. And it's just, all you hear is just him grunting. (laughs) 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 And it's so long. He just keeps going. I loved it. I loved the bit. It was hilarious. I I would absolutely keep it in. Uh, uh, Yeah, I, um thing is there was nothing else really like that in this movie so that's i think it kind of took me out of it for a minute i'm just like what is going on (laughs) but then now he's got like two minutes to get up the stairs so he does like a sprint up and makes it to the duel and of course we get to the duel which is another killer scene although it was pretty predictable i gotta say yeah but Um, it was i was still tense i i enjoyed it yeah well i I wouldn't say the whole thing was predictable. The very end of it was predictable when they like that last shot happens. John is shot and goes down. It's like, I caught that. I mean, I'm like he didn't shoot. He didn't shoot. <laughs> and then Winston gets to deliver the line to Grammont that 
that you arrogant fool he didn't shoot or whatever and then he get Grimaud gets killed and uh, yeah john I... uh <laughs> kane and john are now free or did you have something just... to say about that I just want to say, I feel like I could pretty confidently win a duel where the other guy is blind and we're like 30 feet away from each other. Like, just <laughs> just duck. He's, he's going to miss. And then you just take your time to aim. <laughs> I just say, I didn't understand how he won the sword fight either. Like, how are you going to predict where a sword's coming from? Because it's Donnie Yen. <laughs> I guess. I got to give the benefit of doubt to Donnie Yen. He killed this role, absolutely. But I was just like, how's he doing this? <laughs> With practice. Lots and lots of practice. Um, so John and Kane are now free after the way that the duel, the, uh, duel, <clears throat> the duel played out. Um, John sees his wife in like a little like pre-death hallucination. And then he just collapses on the stairs. Which, this is where... I'm just like, okay, I understand we're supposed to suspend our disbelief, but this man <laughs> has been shot so many times. He jumped out of, like, a six-story building earlier in this film. I mean, he he's fallen down... out of, like, at the end of three. I'm going to spoil the end of three here. He falls off the roof of the Continental. <laughs> <laughs> and he's fine. All that, and then just, like, he he's like, I'm done. And he, and then he let, you know what? He died because he let himself die. Yeah. Maybe that's, maybe that's well, the moral I, of the, the story. The way I took it to mean is like, he was done. He had nothing left to do. So like he hadn't, he, he wasn't keeping himself alive for anything. So like you said, he let himself die because he was kind of finally at peace. Everything was behind him. He, he was done. Yeah. And I, I do think it was a, it was a solid way to end it. Especially, yeah. um, knowing that we're going to get some more stuff in the world of John Wick. Mm-hmm. You know, I think Keanu had a good run and I, I'm not opposed to seeing him come back, but let's, let's dive into some other stuff in this world, you know? Yeah. And you know, I'm glad like it, it's really tough when you have a character like John Wick, who you've set up as this badass. you have to set up, how are we going to kill him off? Who is going to be okay? Who is the audience going to be okay with getting to kill John Wick? And I think this one did it well. It was Kane, who was a cool character, and, like, it was against his will. So, like, yeah. he didn't want to do it. He was trying not to do it. And, like, it was good that it was an old friend who was kind of, like, like mm-hmm. made peace with John before it happened. So, like, that was a good death. Yeah. If they stick with it. Like, they never showed the body being buried, so he could still be alive. And this movie's making bucket loads of cash, so yeah. I'm sure they'll bring back John Wick. <laughs> So that's that's the other thing. So Winston and Bowery bury him. Mike put down here, is he dead? Like, we didn't technically see him. We didn't see it, so. So that's fine. Um, but, but there are some spinoffs and sequels and prequels coming out, are there not? Yes, there are. So ballerina. I'm over the moon excited for it. <laughs> My girl, Anna de Armas. In, in a John Wick universe movie, absolutely give that to me all day. Um, what if, what if she what if that gets canceled and she ends up doing the Gray Man two instead? I wouldn't want to live in this world. <laughs> <laughs> um, but and then the Continental looks kind of cool, kind of a prequel to how Ian McShane's character of Winston got a hold of the Continental and became the 
uh, manager of the New York Continental, which should be interesting. So there's a lot of stories that you can tell. Kane, Akira, I'd love to see more of them in the future. Um, there is a post credit scene in this movie where Akira approaches Kane to get revenge on her father. And I could easily see that being diffused as like, well, you know, like I was wanted to, I had to do it to protect my daughter. And she's like, oh, okay, then fair. Yeah. <laughs> so like that, that doesn't set up anything. So they can become a assassin team. And <laughs> yeah, I, um, I am intrigued enough by this universe myself where I, I am curious to see what other kind of characters and stories can be told within this sort of crazy assassin universe where there's no cops and people just walk around like yeah oblivious to the assassins (laughs) assassinating all around them but like one thing i feel like you're lessening the impact of this movie by bringing john back because like this was a good ending he finally was free of everything you could bring him back in a prequel or something well yeah and i mean i think he's slated to appear briefly in ballerina so we will see him again yeah. I just, I don't want the studio to be like, this made a ton of money, we gotta do John Wick again. I'm I'm great, I'm gl- happy to see a lot more in the John Wick universe, for sure, like you said. But, I mean, this was his ending he wanted, like, he wanted to finally be free and have nothing holding him back. And that's what he got, so, it'd be dumb to just be like, now there's another enemy, actually. True, true. Um, alright, well, any other final thoughts on John Wick Chapter 4? R.I.P. Lance Riddick, you're incredible. Lance Riddick, you are incredible. I loved his him in everything he was in. He was such a powerful performance on the screen. He's going to be so dearly missed. I 100% agree. Um, with that, we're going to wrap things up here. If you want to stay in touch with us, you can write to us at silverscreensaverspod at gmail.com. We'd appreciate it if you could rate and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts that have a rating system. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at ScreensaversPod. Facebook is Silver Screensavers Podcast. Again, still a little up in the air as far as whether we're going to be keeping to the weekly releases or if we're going to adjust for Michael's absence or if we're just going to go on a straight hiatus. I promise we'll let you know when you know. Um... When we know. When we know. <laughs> I, I promise I'll let You'll you know. You'll know when you know, and only when you know. <laughs> You'll know as soon as we know. Um, until then, we thank you all so much for tuning in. You can find me over on Instagram and Twitter at MattyXSturds, S-T-U-R-D-Z. And Tyler, where can you be found online? You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Tyler Sutkis and on Letterboxd at Tyler96. Well, thank you so much again for listening and sticking with us. We appreciate you all. We'll see you next time. Yeah, I'm thinking I'm down to bone. Silver Screen Savers podcast is hosted and produced by Michael Gallett, Tyler Sukis, and Matt Sturdivant, with additional editing by Matt Sturdivant, intro music by Charles Michelle via Pixabay, logo designed by Nathan Seidel. <laughs>